Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Danielle Radford, joined today by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation, Julian Burrell. Hello. We're doing another uh, episode where we're kind of waiting for everybody. We all got stuff going on, but we want to make sure that we continue feeding you during this time. Eat your wrestling. It's good for you. Yeah, eat it. Eat your wrestling. Um, so to do that, we are sharing another episode from the Tights and Fights archives. This is episode 143. Oh, I love you. You guys don't know that. Yet. <laughs> that was this episode 143 was published in 2019. It features YouTube creator John Walsh, better known as Super Eyepatch Wolf. He's made several great videos about wrestling, including his most recent video about Roman Reigns and a video about the legacy of The Undertaker, which we get into in this episode. This might be um, probably the only way that I really care to hear The Undertaker's legacy explored in wrestling anymore. I don't need an eight-part documentary about Mark feeling really sad because he can't run as fast as he used to or whatever. I, I just want to leave the memories alone, man. Just yeah, like... I was there. I don't need to I don't need mm-hmm. to see it. I don't need to see him in a MAGA hat talking about, uh, nah. you know, I hope your knees are good. Yeah. And speaking of hopes, I hope you enjoy this episode so good tights and fights podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast there's a guy named hal and there's daniel and this guy mike eagle is there as well tights and fights podcast tights and It's a look. The the new NXT theme is garbage. I don't know what to tell you guys. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm the American dead ass Danielle Radford. I'm joined today by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the friend of an era. Hold on, I'm going to do that again. The friend of an era. I'm the friend. Lindsay Kelk. And our special guest, super excited, the creator behind the YouTube channel, Super Eyepatch Wolf. It's John. Break down the Walsh. <laughs> Get <it? laughs> Welcome to Tights and Fights, John. I'm so happy to have you here. I, I'm literally changing the name of my YouTube channel to Break Down the Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that, that is a Julian Burrell original. So, okay, I have so many questions to ask you. I'm so incredibly excited. But before we get started, we always ask our new friends to tell us about how they got into wrestling and what kind of wrestling you're into today. I guess like the straight answer is like I don't really have a memory of not being into wrestling. Um, I was like the youngest of like six boys on my dad's side and a lot of them were really into wrestling. So like even as like a very young toddler, I remember like growing up and being like, wow, The Undertaker and like, wow, Hulk Hogan. And then like Mm -hmm. nowadays being like, oh no, Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Um, Uh, So say we all, bud. Yeah, I know. It's a heartbreaker. But um, I remember also... Then, like, moving out of, like, my old house and, like, I didn't have the channel that wrestling broadcast to anymore. So there was, like, a three-year gap where I never watched it. And then we, like, upgraded our, like, Sky package or whatever and got the new channel. And this is, it's kind of, like, it's kind of nearly kind of embarrassing to think back on now. But I remember turning, like, I remember we upgraded and I turned on Sky 1 on Saturday morning and, like, wrestling was on. And I'll never forget it. It was the wrestler Adam Bomb, like, in a match with just (laughs) a jobber. What a name. Oh, yeah, I, I, Adam Bomb is a wrestler who I think he was caught in a nuclear blast and it gave him the powers of being very good at professional wrestling. 
And like he had like these glow in the dark goggles and like orange spandex. Oh and I remember God. just looking this at him and being cut. like, yeah, and just being like, that is the coolest man in the world. And I'm going to watch this forever. Um, I'd encourage you to Google Adam Baum. He was at, he was really, <laughs> he had a look to him. <laughs> Do you remember him being like Atom Man on The Simpsons? Like it being really? up, up an atom. Yeah, he was he was basically radioactive man. Yeah, like, radioactive that's kind man, of what man. he was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, radioactive. <laughs> now I just want to go watch a radioactive man movie what? episode. Lindsay, the one you were thinking of was Adam Ant, who was up and Adam Adam Ant. It's, my, it's just a good old time. I mean, I don't think there are enough puns about nuclear destruction. Nuclear and no. nuclear explosions are fun. Yeah, but Kelk, right? Kelk, John, the most important question: Could he get it? <laughs> Um, I'm going to say no, because I feel like you'd get radioactive poisoning. But uh, if you weren't worried about that so much, he did have some cute outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like out of just sheer respect at this point, I'm going to have to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he could get it. He yes. could get Look, that's three. That's a, <laughs> that's a tribunal. Um, all right. So judging by your YouTube channel, which I love, you are someone who is very interested in wrestling storytelling potential, which is also a huge thing that we talk about all the time here. What kind of stories have you really liked since you've been a fan? Oh, man, there's been a lot. But like, I think when I think about like, I guess the first story that like really, really kind of like hit me in a way that nothing else really had it was, I became like, after my uh, after my Atom Bomb phase, I became a huge Bret Hart fan, like gigantic. I had like the Bret Hart sunglasses, I had like Bret Hart t-shirts, everything. I just, I loved him. And he kind of had an interest in like, I guess, turn where he became like very anti-American. Yeah, and yeah. He became, mm-hmm. he became a heel that way. But because I lived in Ireland, that didn't. <laughs> bother me you know so to me and it didn't bother his canadian fans either like not yeah, even and so a to bit. me he was still a face and i remember like when stone cold steve austin started getting big and like you know like the brett sucks the brett you make me sick sign and everything mm-hmm. i remember watching that and like i was still young enough and i was like i was kind of horrified at the turn wrestling was taking and it felt so real to me that, like, my kind of, like, this this hero I had was, like, being kind of overtaken in this big way. And that was one of the first storylines. Like, looking back now, it was totally one of those things where, like, the reality of wrestling merged with the storytelling and just really captivated me in a way I don't think anything else ever really had. Because mm-hmm. movies are movies, games are games, comics are comics. This felt weird and uncomfortable and real. And like, it was kind of upsetting. But looking back at it now, I'm like, wow, that was some fucking storytelling. (laughs) See, and it did all the things it was supposed to do. Well, I mean, I guess the opposite for you. But that's also the same way. I don't know. I think that's why so many people found that story compelling. Because like, if you're super American and super a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan, then you're cranky. But if you're not, then you're like, what the fuck is the big deal? Yeah. It engaged your emotions one way or another. Yeah. Totally. It engaged you. And then on top of it, the wrestling was really good. Guys, the wrestling was really good. Look, look, look. (laughs) I, I, I have said what I have to say about Bret Hart. I think that he's a talented wrestler. 
don't, as a person. Don't talk about my baby like this. Human do this to me. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> it's good though, because it means we don't have to fight over him. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You get to have him. And by him, I mean him from 1991. Not now. Not now. <laughs> well, because we couldn't fight over him. I wasn't aware that we were going to be disrespecting Bret Hart on this podcast. Uh, this I've has been always... real, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head. But uh, <laughs> I, look, I'm the only one. I am, I am a man on my own <laughs> island when it comes to um, it's my... just a heartbreak, John. It's a heartbreak. <laughs> okay. Later, we're going to talk about a wrestling story uh, that fans of yours know you love, which I am very excited to hear about you talk about. Do, 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 do. So there is some late breaking news. What does everyone think about AEW's announcement about them airing on TNT later this year? They've also had some other announcements. Um, they signed Earl Hebner. They signed Girl Hebner. What do we think about all of these things? I mostly have strong feelings about Girl Hebner being Earl Hebner. I just enjoy that. Uh, I like a pun. I'm really excited. I'm excited because I believe in their ability to tell stories and I believe in their ability to wrestle. So, Yay? I don't think there's a negative to this. Hardcore scene. No, I, I really don't think so. What are you looking forward to, John? Okay, well, like, I'm looking forward to just AEW and, like, seeing, you know, like, just what their, like, philosophy and approach to wrestling is going to be. Because I feel like there's so much they can do, WWE isn't. But also, I'm kind of just looking forward to seeing WWE have the, like, you know, fire put under them because they haven't for so long. So and I think, like, long. Competition only makes everyone better. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it's just, it's kind of win-win for everyone. And I'm really happy for the wrestlers. I'm glad that they, like, they have, an, a, like, a legitimate alternative and I really hope it works out for them. Yeah, how exciting is it that there's going to be more people getting that sweet, sweet TV money, looking after our yeah. faves? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm legit so excited about that. All right, so... We are fatigued about talking about a product that we're not super excited about. And so this week, we're going to spend some time focusing on NXT, which is a thing that we all love. Firstly, Matt Riddle. He beat Adam Cole after Roddy Strong interfered because whatever. Um, <laughs> it looks like the uh, Undisputed Era may need be no more. And we have a clip. Just all yelling. Okay. Okay. Tired of it. Move now. You're a little. You hear me? Noises. You little. Don't say that. I love O'Reilly's work in this. Maybe you don't deserve it. You gotta think about this. Well, maybe none of you should wear the weird fascist armband, but maybe that's just me. We're this close to it being a problem. We really are. Oh, we're within blinking distance, Michael. It is a problem. Put um, some Hugo Boss on those boys and this is all over. Whoo! That's all I'm saying. You throw them in a Volkswagen Beetle and we have got an issue. John, what did you think of the match? Yeah, it was great. I mean, like, I think it was... You know, you have someone who could, like, with the physical abilities of Matt Riddle, who has the, like, the capacity to make matches look like they hurt like hell. And then Adam Cole, who's just, like, he's got a good mind for the business. He's always able to put on a good thing. It was just, it was great. I, I really liked it. I liked seeing two glorious haircuts compete against each other. Ooh, <laughs> that was special for me. Beautiful hair on both of these men. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Matt Riddle because he was at an Irish show about a year ago and he put on an amazing match against Will Osprey. And oh, he was just walking around afterwards like a fan and I went up to him and I was like, oh, that was a really good match. And he goes, thanks, bro. And he really <laughs> smelt of weed. Yay! Yay! Someone that lives a gimmick. 
I mean, welcome to the West Coast, baby. Do we think he just doesn't wear shoes because he's so high he can't feel his toes? <laughs> yes. Because I've heard that's a thing. <laughs> Like, we get so high you can't feel your toes? Yeah, I just can't feel his toes anymore. Marijuana is legal in the state that I live in, <laughs> so I can confirm that sometimes you get so high you can't feel your yeah, toes. Good for him. Pot's not legal in Ireland, is it, John? Nah, I mean, no, but... <laughs> Readily available. <laughs> I'm just going to let that sentence trail off. Have you ever been outside of Ireland in a place where marijuana is legal and maybe have an experience where you can't feel your toes? No, I've never been to a place it's legal. I've definitely... <laughs> John, I'm trying here, bud. <laughs> As an artist and a creative, John may have indulged some artistic creative passions. <laughs> And therefore, legality no longer applies. No, we're artists. Sorry. I mean, what, what, is, what is law, man? Right, right. <laughs> Especially if you're so high, you can't feel your toes. I mean, but how do we feel about the Undisputed Era potentially breaking up? I don't think they're gonna. I think this is a swerve. I hope not, because I want them to have all the belts. What do you think, John? I would definitely think it's a swerve. But like, even though like if it's a swerve and we see it coming, I'm still going to be hyped when it happens, because I, right? I love a good swerve. I, I love a good non-WCW imploding swerve. Nice. Work me daddies. Lindsay, we're going to talk more about Jaboy, Kushida. Jaboy. Jaboy. How much did you enjoy his debut against Cassius I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I mean, my feelings for poor Cassius Ono aside. (sighs) uh, Look, thick daddy can get it. I'm on record, but go on. Well, I mean, I can can help you out. Uh, (laughs) That's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> NXT, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, our good friend uh, Kasha Sono just, or more effectively known these days, is the NXT jobber. But he does get to go over to NXT UK and win, so they're throwing him that bone. Um, I thought it was really great. I think one thing Kasha Sono is doing so well, even though they keep making him do it, is he makes people look amazing. Yes, he is a veteran in the ring. He is incredibly talented. He can adapt to anyone's style. Um, and I thought what was so amazing about this is Kushida is also a wrestler who can wrestle all of the styles. He can do anything you need him to do. He is so good. So good. I'm, I want to keep him on NXT forever in his safe little bubble where I can protect him. Uh, and <laughs> never leave. Never, dress- let go. Yeah, never leave Marty McFly. Like, just keep <laughs> dressing like Marty McFly and coming out and doing great. And I will protect you. I will lay down my life for you. Keep him off the main roster. Please, please. <laughs> John, what do you think about our favorite uh, cars doors go the wrong way, friend? <laughs> um, I describe I'm, things weird. I apologize. <laughs> I'm just glad to see like that they let him be Kushida. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just I was I was kind of nervous being like, are they gonna pl- tone down his style? Are they gonna like alter his gimmick? Like what are they gonna do? And then he comes out and he's just Kushida and putting him like it, yeah, it does actually I'm kinda with you guys, it does break my heart seeing a little bit what's happened to Cassius Ono because I do think he's really cool and really talented. Yeah. But at the same time, like seeing I guess Kushida take on like a legitimate opponent like that was a really good start to his NXT career. Yeah. God forbid he ever gets to the main roster. Oh god don't. <laughs> but it, they couldn't just give him a squash. He had to have I mean it was it's not a squash but it was kind of like is he going to lose again? Uh but yeah. it gave him a legitimate opponent who could match him in the ring which I think was really important mm-hmm. uh, without it taking and that's why NXT does so well as, as well it, it made it an important great match but without taking anything away from all the other important great matches on the show they have that depth of um, talent and skill in their roster that 
they don't allow to happen sometimes on the other shows. Anyway, uh, I, yeah, I really loved it. And I think if you love Kushida, go check out some of his other matches. There's so many things that you can delve into. Uh, he had a really, really great match against uh, Kenny. Yes. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, I want to say 10. Look at any of them. That's Just good. go find yeah. any of his matches. They're all amazing. And Cassius Ono, I will say, um, again, some people, we know that they come in and this is their retirement package. Yeah. This is Cassius's retirement package. Um, we'll talk about how I might be able to become part of that retirement package later. Put a pin <laughs> in that, oh. Lindsay. The most prominent contenders for the NXT women's title are Io Shirai, Bianca Blair, Mia Yim, and a somewhat absentee Candice LeRae. I'm feeling weird about that, but that's yeah. fine. Again, I don't know what's going to happen on tonight's. Hopefully we get to see her more. First of all, I have to say the match between Mia Yim and Bianca Belair was, was the blackest so fucking thing I have ever seen. It was so goddamn black. I loved it. You had both of them doing the, oh, I see you. Oh, I see you. And then when obviously Mia goes in for, you know, the, the face handshake and then Belair does the heel thing, which is what she's supposed to do. Mia, she, she gets taken down, but then she gets right back up. They go at it and she says... The blackest sentence in the entire goddamn world. Do I look like Boo Boo the Foo? I just have to give that up. That was the blackest thing I have seen in forever. And I loved it so hard. So who would y'all like to see knock off Shayna Baszler for the title? John? That's a tough one because like I've been following Mia Yim on the indies like stuff for a while. And I really, really like her. But I'm a huge Io Shirai fan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it's kind of one of those things where I feel like I trust WWE to do better by Mia Yim than I do Io Shirai. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't know how Shirai is going to, like... I think she could do well enough in NXT, but, like, I, I guess after, like, what's kind of become of Asuka, I, I'm nearly, like, reluctant. So maybe Mia Yim, but it's it's a tough one. I think they're all pretty awesome and like I love the stuff with like the hair at the end of that match I thought that was really so really cool good. that was amazing and it was it was a really ingenious way to use the ponytail because she's just been kind of using it as a whip so her to yeah. be able to use it as leverage yeah leverage another like that was great I'm very worried about traction alopecia I'll just say that but uh, I thought her it was ponytail's really fun. a little tight. I like to believe that maybe there's more slack on it than we think, and it's just a lot of eco styler gel doing its job. I hope so. Because it's like so. pulling on it that much was like, eesh. Ugh. Plus, it's going to just wear on that hair. One of these days, that's going to come off. Yeah. But also, she can write it off, so she can yeah. probably get. I hope she has more than one she, ponytail. She must have several. She's she not an amateur. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Those are our very These strong opinions. Strong takes on her head. Um, of match. course, I would like it to be Bianca Belair because I'm a huge Bianca Belair stan. I love her. I hope they never turn her face. She should be heel forever. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, I do want to see more Candice. I want Candice back. I'm starting to flip out at the lack of Candice. Don't I want, put her in the Rumble and put her on Mania and then take my Candice away. I want Candice. I want Candice that has nothing to do with Gargano. Yep. I want Candice being Candice. I want her to run in and beat the shit out of some dude. Give her Ono. Oh He's yeah. taking everyone. <laughs> She's probably... I'm already, sure that... I'm, look, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen her beat him at PWG I was already. just about to say, yeah. I'm 90% sure that footage is online. <laughs> Give her Ono. Oh fuck it. Feed her more. Um, if you have any thoughts about anything we've discussed so far, let us know about them at facebook.com slash groups slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and Instagram. When we come back, we'll take a look at perhaps the most significant moments of The Undertaker's career up next on Tights and Fights. 
I'm Jordan Morris. And I'm Jesse Thorne. On Jordan Jesse Go, we make pure, delightful nonsense. We rope in awesome guests and bring them down to our level. We got stupid with Judy Greer. My friend Molly and I call it having the space weirds. Pat Oswalt. Could I get a Balrog burger and some Aragorn fries? Thank you. And Kumail Nanjiani. I've come back with cat toothbrushes, which is impossible to use. Come get stupider with us at MaximumFun.org. Look, your podcast app's already open. Just pull it out. Give Jordan Jesse Go a try. Being smart is hard. Be dumb instead. Oh, Russ. Hey, hey. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad I found you in line. These clouds are really freaking me out. I hate having to stand in line. And boy, what a line. These giraffes do not smell good. No, they do not. And they have such short necks. But I'm hearing we need to get on this we ark. we got to get on the ark. It yeah. is about to rain. God is about to destroy humanity. Hey, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Are you Noah? Yeah, I know we look like humans, but we're actually, <laughs> yes, we're <totally>. podcasters. <laughs> we are podcasters, so it's different. Have you heard of Ono, Ross, and Carrie? We investigate spirituality, claims of the paranormal, stuff like that. And you have a boat and say the world's going to end, so seem like something for us to check out. We would love to be on the boat. We came two by two. What do you think? Ono, Ross, and Carrie, available on MaximumFun.org. Radford, I'm joined today by Lindsay Kelt and by our special guest, John Walsh, also known as Super Eye Patch Wolf. Fuck yeah, you are. This week, <laughs> we're going to give one corner of wrestling some extra attention. This is our main event. Alright, so for over 20 years, it was considered the sacred cow of WWE, The Undertaker's WrestleMania undefeated streak. And in the final years before it ended, it was in no greater danger than the four consecutive years that Shawn Michael and Triple H nearly ended it. Now, before we get going, what did everyone think of the streak when it was still the streak? I'm going to hand over to John because I didn't (laughs) care about it so much. What? Really? Oh, my God. Just because like it wasn't I was when I watched Undertaker, uh, Undertaker, when I watched wrestling as a little kid, Undertaker was around. It was Paul Bearer and it was the full urn joyous time of like <laughs> madness and then I yeah. checked out for most of the Attitude Era I wasn't watching it was when I was in uni and like they made me have a real job and I didn't have Sky and I was poor and it was Womp. grumpy so I just didn't have it so then when I checked back in I was kind of like huh that guy's still going uh, <laughs> okay which, that makes sense you know that yeah so I didn't really yeah, care yeah. and then I saw the punk match at uh, Mania in New York and that was amazing uh, so I was engaged again, and then I go, I'll check back into where I come in at the end. Oh. But I have to say, for the bulk of it, I was just like, eh, wasn't there. Yeah, yeah I will say, uh, for me, I was watching during the Attitude Era. Um, I would actually go home for wrestling stuff, because I, I was also in college for part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not a university, just a shitty private art school. Um, arts <laughs> Conservatory, as they called it. Nice. Because we had to call it something to justify the fees. But so I was watching some of it, as everyone knows. Um, I checked smooth the fuck out during like the Ruthless Aggression era. And I wasn't in that. And I know that that's a huge part of the streak. I've got to catch up with some of it. Um, I loved the I love the Shawn Michaels match. I love the Triple H matches. Those should words should have been where it ended, in my opinion. But John, I know that you have done deep dives into this. We definitely want to hear about your thoughts about the Undertaker streak, oh, man, it's like um, I was just talking this with Julian before the show, but like um, on the 
on the Undertaker video, which is like, I guess, a lot of, you know, it's all about kind of him and the streak and what the streak meant and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I got a comment from someone kind of being like, do you really think that they planned this all out from the start? And like, they were kind of saying it as a way as like, does that not discredit the storytelling on it a little bit? But to me, the fact that it wasn't planned out, that's kind of like what's amazing about it and like what's amazing about wrestling because the only way like the undertaker became successful is like you know from like live reactions and people genuinely getting into the character mm-hmm. and through that he becomes like this kind of like uh, like institution within the wrestling business itself and then that genuine like you know being over with the fans that much that then turns into this big legacy that takes like storyline form in the streak and I think that's kind of what like excites me so much about it because it's this case where you know to to me wrestling is always strongest when it's like it's bleeding into reality in a weird way and that's kind of what the streak was and like I would you know for those last couple of years every year I'd be like oh my god he's gonna lose it he's gonna lose it like this is this is it this is actually gonna happen or at least for the you know for the matches that did their job and made me think that I didn't think he was gonna lose to Mark Henry but um like oh but also yeah <laughs> yeah it's actually funny because i watched basically all 20 of those matches like in the same week and every time the commentators say the same thing and they're like well uh batista doesn't look one bit afraid and then like the next year they'll be like this is the first time i've ever seen a competitor not look afraid but there's no fear in edge's eyes and it's like, it's, it's every single match well, we know consistency is the thing that they're known for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, completely. But, um, and I guess, like, to me, it kind of just became this really sort of sad story about, like, getting old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, let him die. Let them, put the yeah. man, put him down. Take the dog outside. Take him to the farm. Yeah, Time. and, like, when Brock Lesnar eventually beat him, and, like, I know, like, there was such a, Like, I feel like it's become more accepted now that Brock Lesnar ended the streak, but I felt like back in the day, all you heard was how he was the wrong person to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, I just kind of want... I wanted anyone to do it. <laughs> yeah, I could have done it. <laughs> because, because we, as we saw, and we'll go back and we'll dissect some of the earlier matches, but as we saw with that match, that was really... I mean, let's be really real... As far as the streak goes, that was the last time that he was able to do a match that looked like a match where I wasn't, like, worried about his well-being. Every other time he came out and did anything, it wasn't – it was diminishing returns. Well, the Brock Lesnar match, I'd say I've mentioned – probably mentioned once or twice before. I was at that Mania. Um, Or were you at Mania? I I was at Mania 30, yeah. I don't know if I brought mention but I was there. Um, And my friend and I were – it was such a great mania and everyone was so buzzed and I think I wonder what it would have felt like if it hadn't been a good mania Mm. I honestly do because everyone in the arena was so fucking wired everyone was so high and we knew we were getting another Daniel Bryan match so we like maintained that high like Mm -hmm. everyone was just fucking bonkers off their tits and dolphins sugar overpriced hot dogs joy it was just like it was like a kid's birthday party like at the local swimming pool when you were seven and you've been swimming and you've had the cake but you haven't done all the games yet it was like that excited so I think if it hadn't if everyone hadn't been that level of excited and then he had lost I do wonder how it would have felt but it was a weird match because he came out and he looked dreadful and he was clearly being led around the ring for a lot of it and I know that's been 
talked about afterwards that he was not well and obviously collapsed immediately afterwards. When it happened, like in, I've talked about this a million times and I've talked about it in various platforms, but that moment when it happens and 80,000 people went silent who had been pumped and screaming and excitable for so long for everyone to just go silent, it just felt like something you will never forget has just happened. It it just it transcended mm-hmm. and it elevated that moment to become something bigger because of what it was part of. Absolutely. And because of everything it meant. And I do wonder how much of that ties into not even so much the build to that sp- specific story. Like you say, people were like, eh, Brock. And maybe it's because he picked Brock because he likes Brock, whatever. But there was just so much going on for everyone on that day, in that moment. At that time, even if you were watching at home, so many people are like, Mania 30 was my favorite. You were so emotional. Mm. And then they they managed to take those emotions and just twist it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I guess my biggest question um, that I have for you, Lindsay, is that y'all do cake after games? Well, I mean, it's just or, const- constant cake. Or before games? Because we do, cake. so we do food. Cake, and, cake, 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 And cake, then cake, games cake. and then cake. Yeah, I mean, swimming pool parties in the village. I'm, I'm being very specific. <laughs> uh, you had a party, the room for the parties was above the pool. Um, so you could like look down at the pool and it would oh. always get really like condensation on the windows and it was all very dramatic and everyone stank of chlorine and, you know, so you'd eaten your pineapple and uh, pickled onion on sticks or cheese and pickled onion, cheese and pineapple on a stick. That's the food choice. What? Yeah. Did you, John, back me up? Uh, I cannot be a part of any cheese of that. and pickled onion <laughs> or cheese and pineapple on a stick. Don't lie to me. Are you? John's now going to be like, "Excuse me, Lindsay, I'm very fancy, and we only have Mr. Kipling's fondant fancies at our birthday parties." <laughs> but in the '80s, you would just wrap a potato in tin foil. You would put pickled onions and cubes of cheese on a cocktail stick, or cheese and pineapple on a cocktail stick, and you would stick them in the potato. And that was like the height of appetizer at a children's party. I'm making a face. I'm sorry. This sounds like something I would make up to fool an American person. I'm, That's I'm exact- so and let down. Look, Lindsay has actually done that to me before. I have, so. I have in fact, but this is legitimately a true thing. And I know all the British <laughs> listeners who grew up in the 80s now are like, yeah, like the cheese and pickled onion pineapple hedgehog. It was like a thing. It's a thing. I'll show you. I, okay, I, John and I are no longer speaking. Um, <laughs> but it was a big deal. Anyway, The Undertaker. <laughs> I mean, I'm a huge fan of cheese and pickle <laughs> on a stick. I, d- I need to hear so much more about this cheese and pickle. It's delicious. <laughs> All right, so the story of the streak started on the road to WrestleMania 25. Undertaker had never beaten Shawn Michaels, and Shawn wanted to be the one to end the Undertaker streak. He even held the classic funeral for the dead man. You use WrestleMania as an opportunity to show your peers and the world what you represent. I take the fact that you don't think I can end your undefeated streak as a personal insult. So Sean would, of course, end up losing his match to Taker. Do you guys think this match was as special as it's held up to be? John? Uh, It's a really great match. It's absolutely fantastic. Personally, I've never held it in quite the same esteem as a lot of people but I only say that as like to me it's like a fantastic match it's not one of my favorites of all time but it's like it's 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 up there but I've never seen it as like the defining match of like the WWE or even the Undertaker's streak honestly Mm. 
I thought it was a great match for the streak, but I also I feel like there've been kind of some middling matches from the streak and I can't even remember the names of them because they're mostly stuff where I like fast forwarded through back when I did a, a, uh, a lot of the stuff before Orton is Undertaker fighting a very large, very clumsy man. <laughs> They're so sleepy. So that's, sleepy. My, that's my fetish. Who knew? Kelk, <laughs> what do you think? I mean, as I say, I didn't watch them at the time. I've gone back and watched most of them because I like to go back and watch old manias and go, <laughs> validated. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I always had a soft spot for Edge. I've always loved that's Edge. That's a great one. Oh, yeah. my God. And you knew and like, it was going to be not... great, and it was. And, like, I wouldn't be, like, the biggest Edge fan, but I thought he did such an amazing job of, like, making you feel like he was going to beat the undertaker yeah i think and that's what i think edge is really good at i think he yeah. as an actor as a character as a performer yes. he sells his performance every single time you believe totally. everything that comes out of his mouth is gospel like and not yeah. necessarily that it's true but that he believes it mm-hmm. um and yeah that was one of the only ones i've watched it where even though i knew the result when i watched it i'm like oh my god he could totally win and then it's like wait Lindsay, no. <laughs> you know well, this. And here's here's something funny about about that match. They actually floated the idea of Edge being the one to break the streak to him. They like said, oh. "Well, how would you feel if you know we we made you we had you win?" And he flat out said, "Absolutely yeah. not." Aww. Because this was, I guess, like he has so nowadays. much respect for the business. Yeah. yeah, and I think he just saw like the idea, the the draw of the streak at WrestleMania yeah. was just too big for him to just like. He's like, "I can't carry that burden." Are yeah. you kidding me? No. And I think I hear that in his podcast. I don't know if you know this. There are other wrestling podcasts out there, and one of them I've never heard of this. I've heard a rumor, um, and one of them is. Host by Edge and Hal's good friend Christian. Oh no, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, That's Hal's good. friend Christian. It's great that they're dabbling in podcasts. It's really nice to see just two young kids getting out there and making a go of it. <laughs> uh, but you do hear in their podcast like they still have such respect for the business. More Edge than Christian. <laughs> like Hal's friend Christian. Look, Christian's mostly, been through some shit. We don't give him a pass. Just spends the rest, most of his episodes explaining his dick behavior in the past, and then it always ends up going like, "No, I am a dick." Um, but Edge, one hundred percent. Yeah, his respect for the business, his respect for Taker and his respect for that match, he talks about often. Um, and I, it makes me love him more. Oh, I do love... I, Edge was like my first wrestling crush. Yeah. Edge was the one where I was good, like, oh, they're attractive? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> um, so we're going to go back to Sean for a second. Sean has heard how great the match was. He's desperate to take on Taker again, which is agreed to, but on the Undertaker's terms? Let's listen to a clip. If you defeat me, you end the streak. (laughs) But if I beat you, your career is over. has no consequences what (laughs) this is there's actually a fun fact associated with this one sean uh spoiled what was going to happen in this match a year prior to this because i guess he was like doing some interview with toronto sun or something and they asked him like how much longer you think you're going to do this he's like honestly i feel like next year's the year that i'm probably going to hang it up (laughs) oh surprise surprise sean thanks (laughs) i'm sure he had to pray on it for some time for like a while yeah does he just pray on his tights since they've already got the cross there (laughs) um so what did y'all think of the encore of this match at wrestlemania 26 when sean lost again john give me what you got Still two great performers, still a really good match. I think maybe lacking some of the magic of the previous one. I think it's one of those things where, like, it was, I guess, a little bit of, like, um, Okada versus Omega 4 for me, where it's like, they've kind of 
done everything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I definitely didn't think it packed the same heat as the previous one. But, I mean, still, like, a great match, a great story and all that. It's just, like, when you're comparing it to the one that came before, I think it does kind of... It does lack a bit of, a little yeah. bit of the luster. What do you guys mm-hmm. think? I just think there's always an element with something like this when it's a career match. And like Julian says, even if you didn't hear that interview, um, you kind of knew. Yeah. You know, so it takes because the Because they were not... They were not young men. No. And it's like, I think at this point, it's more likely this is going to be the end of Sean's career than it's going to be the end of the streak. So it takes some of the heat out of it, which doesn't help. Uh, Whenever they say career matches or anything like that, I'm like, oh, damn it. Somebody (laughs) tell me I know is losing. (laughs) Somebody retired. They take time. Um, so that always annoys me. But I mean, it's a great match to watch in isolation or, you know, with regards to the streak. Uh, it's just totally. at the time I felt like yeah. it wasn't, or at the time when I watched it, it's like, oh, I guess I already knew it was going to win this, even though I actually knew it was going to win it. Yeah, and to be fair, like, Sean was, when he came back, he started doing, like, the best work of his career mm-hmm. at a very mm-hmm. for-wrestling advanced age, because he was, like, the equivalent of being a wrestling 150. <laughs> so um, he was doing a great job. Eventually, Triple H steps up against The Undertaker for WrestleMania 27. And at the Go Home show, we finally see the three of them in the ring together for the first time. Five or six years ago, Sean and I were driving down the road and we made a pact with each other that if one of us ever got to the point that we could no longer perform at the standard that we had set for ourselves, then the other guy would look that guy in the eye and tell him, it's time. I came back. What happened For to that? For one reason only. Yes, I don't believe that that's the <laughs> truth. To look you dead in your eyes <laughs> and tell you it's time. Yeah, that's uh, that tradition probably should have stayed being a thing. Um, Hunter and <laughs> Not Taker's... a promo that aged well. <laughs> no! Hunter and Taker's match that year was the only good part of a pretty awful WrestleMania. There was a lot of holes during that era. But what did everyone think of the story here with Undertaker winning, but also not being able to get up? John? Uh, I loved this match. I thought it was great. Um, yeah. I really, like, even just to watch, I think it's a really grueling match. Like, there's a lot of kind of pain in it. And I love that it ends in a tap out because I feel like not enough big matches end like that. Mm-hmm. Especially in WWE. And I think, like, you know, the kind of, the sort of war of attrition and then that's the way it ends. I mm. think there's something kind of special about that. And also, like, the Undertaker can't walk afterwards. I think that's, like, first of all, it's a nice thing where it's like, hey, Undertaker's fucking old. Uh, but mean, then, like, it's a nice setup for next year as well, you know? Yeah. And it all just plays into, like, the grander narrative of, like, the streak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, yeah, Lindsay? It was brutal. It's it's a brutal match to watch, but in a good way, as opposed to someone pulling a nose ring out of someone else's nose. <gasps> you know, you know what I mean. Um, like you believe that they are putting everything. I'm really glad you guys hated that match because <gasps> I really hated that match. <gasps> was still, I'm still mad about it. I gave them yeah. like 14 hours of my life that day, and that's the four seconds I'd like back, uh, and the whole match. But specifically, I think it's a real brutal a good example of how to use brutality in a match where it looks like two men are giving their entire physicality and Mm -hmm. every ounce of what they have to this match um i like fake being busted up and having to be like out of respect for you i'm really struggling like i i like that 
you know, that's a preferred end to some matches for me where it's like, oh, I beat you, but skin of my teeth. And yeah, it sets it up for the next time. The stuff with the sledgehammer, I was like, no, no. I never, that fucking sledgehammer. Yeah. I'm just not, I, I get it and it's really cool, but it's also like, are you, you are very confident yeah. in your idea that you will never accidentally sledge someone. No, I know. We, even this year's match, as we've just established, was no, no one in this room's favorite. Uh, but I was watching it with people who had never watched wrestling before. And somebody's like, oh, it must be nearly over. And my brother leaned over and we're like, no, mate, we've not seen any sledgehammers yet. And I was like, <laughs> he's, he's quite right. And not two minutes later, a sledgehammer appeared. Wait, were you at home or were you here? Uh, for Mania, the show was in New York. Okay. It was filming. It was like Bobby was, was here? And Bobby, no, he okay. was... He was in New York. Okay. You're about to make me very cranky. I know. I feel terrible. (laughs) So finally, this part of the story concludes at the end of an era match. It is Triple H versus Undertaker at Hell in the Cell with Shawn Michaels as guest referee. This, for me, this is also where the streak should have ended. I thought that this was a fantastic match. I thought this was Mm -hmm. a great place to end the streak. What do you think, John? Uh, This is my favorite match of the streak. I love I think in the video I did I did like a, a like four minute segment just on this match and like I'll never forget watching it in like just like my apartment in Dublin with my roommate who didn't really watch a lot of wrestling and like by the end of this match I, I like had tears in my eyes I was like oh this is just amazing like I couldn't believe it and like the way I love the ending of the match as well where it's like Triple H like through everything he goes back to kind of like DX era Triple H for a second and then just gets laid out and then they both leave arm in arm. I thought it, I thought it was really beautiful. Like I loved every second of this one. Hard same. I just really enjoyed yeah. it. And I was watching again by this point. Um, so I was like, oh, I know all these old boys. Like I know you from when I was a baby. <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it worked. They worked me. Um, so I was very pleased. And yeah, I just I thought it was great. It had everything I wanted it to have. Um, and to John's point earlier about the Shawn Michaels match being just as good, but somehow lacking the luster of the first one, they somehow managed to carry it over with this. Uh, and totally, I just, totally. Yeah, it's yeah. got that. It's got it. It's got whatever it is that makes a match transcend its moment. Uh, and I, I have watched it since and enjoyed it. And one other cool thing about this one, uh, you know, you kind of have, you think back on the WrestleManias, 25, 26, 27, those are generally pretty middling WrestleManias. Yeah, so with, I often like, try yeah, not to. Yeah, but, with yeah. like one really good match, and usually it was the Undertaker match and all of those that was like actually worth watching. WrestleMania 28 was a really, really goddamn good WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. This was Punk versus Jericho. Yeah. This was yeah. uh, Rock and Cena for the first time. This was this. It was like the Rock hates the color pink. <laughs> <laughs> Did you but, know that? Oh, but it was just yeah. like I think that's what's kind of cool is that it was a part. It was like a. It was like part of an, an overall show, and it stands out even though it was in a really crowded yeah. show. Well, and I think that that's. I, I think again we talk competition is great, and I think that when you have everybody on the card doing well, no one wants to be the wink link. Like yeah. no one wants it to wink link. No one wants to be the weak <laughs> link. Um, I'll wink at links. No one wants to be the weak link. Everyone. No one wants to be the one that everyone's like. Man, the pay per view was great until X match, which really drug it down. Um, so Undertaker once again victorious and the three of them hugged at the entrance ramp which you yeah. know man I will always fucking pop for friendship same uh, so did JR because here was his call yeah hmm. a standing ovation from 78,363 and a moment that will live in infamy in WWE. That's not the infamy. And in this we can never replicate. 
But that does end the road to 20. And oh, we know um, these three would all meet again at a show that we don't fucking talk about on this podcast. I believe that they're going to meet again at that same show that we don't fucking talk about at this podcast, or at least some of them. Um, But that show can fucking suck it. Um, But this is the finale that the story deserved. And probably it's fine. Uh, Does anyone have any final thoughts about the series of matches and what ended up being the longest story within the Undertaker Mm -hmm. streak? Obviously, his his streak kept going. We talked about some of the later matches. But this story in itself was a story within the story of the streak. And it is what made the streak as powerful as it is. Um, Does anyone have any final words? I just say if if people haven't seen the Ric Flair match from the streak as well, I think that's a really good match too both guys were getting up there but i still think they sold like a great story with that match and it was interesting to see undertaker work pure heel on that one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i have nothing to add to that but i do always recommend the punk match uh because and no one else will on the network so (laughs) and punk works best when he's being a little bitch and he was really pissed off uh so he was doing his best work that punk promo where he was like, my deepest condolences for your so loss good. at Wrestling. It's just Ooh. amazing. I loved that man so much. He's, Me too. He, he Me too. took my love and he shit on it. But I still loved it. And it's still a great match. Also, what's funny is that they always talked about, they acted like Triple H and Undertaker and never wrestled each other at Mania before. When they totally did at WrestleMania X7, they just never talk about it. Like yep. I feel yep. like it's kind of like the forgotten element of like this because they always acted like like you know undertaker you've only got one more challenge and that's me and it's like no he's oh, he already beat you what are you talking yeah, he, about he beat, he beat you real good Triple H. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you guys were on tv also you were on tv together for a really long time like a, a while like a while you yeah. were on tv together just in case you don't remember so that will do it for this episode of tights and fights we are a podcast in the maximum fun network this week your hosts were john walsh Lindsay kelk along with me danielle radford john Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, plug everything. Plug anything that you would like to plug. Um, yeah, sure. You can find me at Super Wolf on YouTube or just at iPatchWolf on Twitter. And I also host the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. And uh, this was super fun. It was it was really great to be here. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much. We're both. We're all. I was gonna say both, but there's also a Julian. Um, <laughs> we are all huge fans of your work. I love nothing more than people who analyze long-term storytelling mm-hmm. um, in wrestling. Those are always some of my favorite wrestling videos and wrestling content. And we really appreciate you um, lending your expertise to us while we. Tell dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because it was it's my true. pleasure. It was great. Uh, you must come and do it in person. Sometime. Yeah, I, you have to come and do it in person sometime. Lindsay Kelk, talk about Hi, books. I have books. I write books. There's so many books. Um, I have a book coming out in two weeks. One, two weeks. One week. Two weeks. Two weeks. Um, I Heart Hawaii is out. <laughs> It just seems so wrong in this context. No! This black room wearing a wrestling shirt talking about wrestling. I'm like, I have a book called I Heart Hawaii. Um, it's very good. Uh, it's out on May 30th. Also, my first children's book, which um, feels more right because it's snarky and funny and silly. <laughs> uh, and that is also out on May 30th, Cinders and Sparks. So check those out. And uh, you can find me all over the internet at Lindsay Kelk. People often do. They have opinions. Uh, come share them with me. I may not agree with them, but I would like to hear them. Hey, we love you all. Stop asking Lindsay to proofread your books. 
<laughs> Novels are long. I wish I could. I also can't come to your house with my book for you to sign it. I can't. I'd like to. Yeah, she she would love to. Um, maybe one day we'll figure out a way where you can send a page of something and Lindsay can sign it, no, but she can't. She, no, she can't do that. No, either. can't do that either. Or <laughs> it's just there's a lot of them. Damn or it. You, I'm coming to ten cities. Yeah. I'm coming on tour to ten cities. There's the segue I was come looking for. Come to one for. of those. Sorry, like I would love to see. It. Please, whenever tights and fights people come to book events. I am beside myself with joy. And we don't just talk about books. We talk about all kinds of nonsense. So uh, definitely come to the book tour. I was one of those people. It was fun. Julian's been. Julian knows. I was wearing a Kenny Omega shirt. I was so pleased. Yes. I didn't know he was coming. And I was wearing a Finn shirt. We live our brand. Oh, we live our brand. So, and then I am Danielle Radford. Uh, as per usual, y'all can find me on Screen Junkies. I am one of the writers of the Honest Trailers now. So you can um, do that. We just put up the Honest Trailer for Speed, which I'm very happy about. Um, I'm also on the Honest Trailer commentary this week. I have been hosting more of the episodes for SJU, which has been really fun. I just put up God, I've got a bunch of articles on fandom. I covered one about how they made Steve Rogers work when it seems like he should be corny as fuck. I have one about how Iron Man um, worked to create the universe of the MCU. I just put out one which is about how amazing Thick Thor is and the lessons Sweet. that we could learn about uh, Thick Thor and how to make Thickies work on screen. So go check those. I, wow, I amazingly have a lot of shit to plug. <laughs> This is a good day. It's a good day. I'm getting paid. Guys, I can buy skirts. Yeah. I bought new shoes. I got a new bra. It's a new day. Yes, it is. <laughs> Our producer is... Nice. Bi- Brought it back around. <laughs> Our producer- it's not always a given. <laughs> it's not always a given. Nor do I try to. Our producer is the five-tool player, Julian Burrell. I don't know why anyone lets me do this professionally. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long at facebook.com slash group slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and on Instagram. If you love the show, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast snatch and app is and share us with all of your friends. Thank you so, so, so much to all of the Max Fund members who make the show possible. We'll be back next week for more, you guessed it, wrestling. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and Bites. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.